Welcome to Learning with Lisa, Student Success Beyond Expectations podcast with Lisa Navarra, award-winning educator, consultant, behavior specialist, author, and parent. This podcast provides support for school leaders, educators, and parents. We share and discuss evidence-based resources that are embedded in social and emotional learning to meet the needs of students who struggle focusing and learning. Teachers and parents find information and strategies to improve students' academic, behavioral, and social-emotional performance. It's time to turn kids from I can't into I can. Welcome. In today's episode, we will be discussing how confusing it can be to a parent who notices that child is different and may not be developing the same as his or her peers. And was speaking to the parent who might feel lost and they really don't know where to begin to help their child. And we're also talking about those feelings of maybe guilt or just simply helplessness and frustration. And to help us talk about all those very vulnerable and tender topics, we're bringing in Deanna Sass with us. And Deanna is a licensed associate counselor. She's a certified pastoral counselor and nationally certified counselor as well. And you may have heard her in the podcast, what it feels like to be different. And if you didn't then, and maybe you will after this podcast, you'll find she's a wealth of information. Deanna provides psychotherapy for children and adolescents, as well as provides services for marriage and family counseling. So hello, Deanna, and welcome. Hi, Lisa. Thanks. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. It's always a pleasure. Deanna, can you talk with my listeners today about how to navigate those feelings and also how to help your child when you see that you have a concern with their development. Yeah, so this would present itself in my office as parents who are very worried about their child. Uh, They feel that the child is not thriving in um, academics in whatever grade they might be in and they're really scared about that. Um, not that we live in a competitive world, but you know, when, when your child is in, let's say second grade or third grade and they're, you know, the boy next door is reading all three Harry Potter books over the summer and, you know, your own child is struggling to read three letter words and, and very simple Dr. Seuss books, uh, there, there's a sense of fear and, oh my goodness, you know, how will this impact the rest of his or her life? And, um, you know, so there, the parent would present and say, you know, we don't know what's going on. And there is really the, the most um, prominent feeling that they come with is, is just fear and overwhelmed. They just, they are scared. They're not sure what is going on. They don't know what to call it. And they don't even know who to ask. So they might come to a counselor. They might go to their pediatrician. They might go to a learning specialist. But these are all very highly specified roles. And you're not, you know, as a parent, there's no training manual that comes with the baby. (laughs) And um, you're just not sure what to do. But you know you you need help. Sometimes this 
also presents itself not only as fear and um, anxiety, but it can also present itself as problems in the family. So now they are yelling at this child and they are saying, why aren't you trying harder? And, you know, you need to study more and this child's doing better than you or your sister or brother did better than you at the same age. And so then it becomes actually um, a really almost toxic home environment for that child. Now this child is not only struggling because of a disability perhaps, um, but now this child is being blamed for it and made to feel like they are either lazy or not trying hard enough or in some way inadequate or not quite as good as the other kid or the other sibling. Um, and that's when real damage can happen to a whole family dynamic. And I guess it's my role, you know, as a therapist to help to repair the dynamic in the family and to really protect um, the well-being of that child so that they do not become um, the person who is taking all the blame for whatever is going on. And uh, that's, that's a tragedy, really, when that happens. So if we can just illuminate <laughs> what is really going on there, we can solve a myriad of problems. I use the example all the time of, you know, if you went to start your car in the morning and it wouldn't start, would you yell at your car and say, come on car, what's wrong with you? What's the matter with you? Would you get out and, you know, kick the tire? Would you? No, <laughs> that's not going to get the car to start. You're going to take that car or have that car towed to a mechanic who is educated and knows skilled, knows how to see what is wrong under that hood and can look at it and can tell you what's wrong and can tell you how to fix it. If you need a new part or if you need something adjusted, that is who you go to. So it's the same thing when our children are not functioning as, as adequately as we would hope or, or wish for them to, or as we know they could, then rather than getting angry and upset, we just need to find the answer. And Lisa, that's where your profession as an educator comes in. Right, actually, actually I guess that I am also one of those mechanics as you yes. <laughs> for my private practice when they come in and we work as a family and working directly with the children. Exactly, so, exactly. Lisa, I'm so glad there are people like you doing that mechanics. <laughs> and I love- Looking under the hood and figuring <laughs> it all out. <laughs> and I love being a mechanic for child behavior consulting. I love it. Aww. What other mechanics would you say are available and so, that parents should try and find yeah. to help establish um, what is going on with their child? Well, exactly. So, so you need the answer to that question. That's, that's going to be the key to helping the child and to helping the family. So, you know, your school is a great resource. If, you know, you speak with some of the people at your school, especially the team that might work with children um, on their IEP plans that, that pull them out and do special work with them. You can consult these folks or the counselor at school and say, who are the people in our community that can help me <laughs> diagnose this? And can, you know, do you know good tutors? Do you know a good place where we can go to get the extra help we need? So I would say, you know, you start with your school. A pediatrician certainly has a roster of people that he or she keeps that uh, are in the community in which you live, where, you know, they are experts that can do the assessments 
that can give you these answers so that you're not getting frustrated, you're not blaming the child, but you're just gonna say, oh, okay, this is what we're dealing with. You know, so again, I recommend pediatricians, I recommend going to the school, and I recommend counselors as well that often um, either do the assessment or know others who do in the field. So, you know, you need to find the right professional. That's, that's where it starts. <laughs> And I know that you and I know the importance of having a child evaluated so that way they can come up with a diagnosis and they can really pro provide and get the services that are specific to their unique needs. Absolutely. Can you talk to the listeners um, that may be parents that are reluctant for getting their child evaluated and possibly diagnosed um, out of fear that it might impact their future in some way? Right, I think this is something we all encounter, um, this fear of being stigmatized. People fear labels or, or something that might follow this child through. I think people really misunderstand um, things like learning disabilities and uh, consider them in some way a negative a negative mark on the child, which breaks my heart when I when I sense that because it's it's really just withholding from the child the very thing that that child needs to thrive to thrive. So we name it, we give it a name. It's diagnosed. We get the right professionals in who can help, and that child will thrive, and it can make a difference in the rest of their academic career and in the rest of their lives uh, by building their confidence, by helping them to feel good about themselves socially, that would have a positive impact, as well as, you know, in their future, in their lives, in their career, and everything. So when I see this hesitation to label um, the name of a disability, uh, I try very hard to reassure parents that this is not something that's gonna harm their child, that this is going to open the door, open the windows, get a breath of fresh air so that they can really be supported in the specific way that they need support so that they can reach their potential. And if a parent comes to understand that and then agrees to have, as you said, the evaluation and the assessments, um, that can be the beginning of the best part of that child's life. And the frustrating, scary part is over and then they move forward in a more positive, healthy, mentally healthy, academically healthy way. And um, yeah, so I can't say that enough. <laughs> Thank you. And talk to us about the breakdown that could happen with the not knowing what's going on with your child, the family dynamics, how uh, a child's challenges. Well, you know, yeah, sometimes um, one of the ways that there's this breakdown comes because everyone in the extended family has advice. So, you know, the grandparents will say, oh, she watches too much TV. Oh, you know, there's the aunt who says, I was like that too. All I needed was a good spanking, you know, and they have that answer. And then someone else says, oh, you know, too much time on uh, their, their media things, on their uh, tools. And, um, you know, other people will say, oh, you're not being strict enough. Uh, they need to go to bed earlier. They need to eat have more vegetables. Like everyone in the family is throwing advice and the parents just 
it's, it's really overwhelming for them. And very often the parents are blamed. You heard in many of those scenarios that I just said, you know, it's, you're not doing this right. You're not doing that right. You need to do more of this or more of that. But a finger poor, pointing, even as you're saying that. Totally. Yes. That's, that's exactly what it is. And then, so then the parent feels really defeated and then they lose confidence in their own parenting. Right. So part of this work is not only empowering the the student, but it's empowering the parents to know, you know, kind of try to uh, muffle those voices that are coming at you from every direction, each with different kinds of advice and, um, and work together with your professional, with the educators that work with your child and actually, you know, move forward in a, in a very efficient and effective way. Um, that the professionals who do this all the time can really guide the parents in, into. So, you know, it's an awful feeling for the parents as well as for the child. Uh, so we can be helping both. And have you come across parents in your practice who they come to you, they want help, but there's really very little or there's lack of follow through on their part and commitment. So they that make happens. Yeah. And they drop out, you know, that does happen and it happens for a lot of reasons. Some are very understandable. They make that first call to the educational psychologist and find out how expensive the assessment is gonna be. And that's the end of it. That's where it stops right there. That's, that's a shame. That's really sad um, because there are other possibilities and there are other options for them other than maybe that first phone call that they made. And again, the school would be able to point them toward, you know, county services or, or things that are available for folks who can't necessarily go to a private um, educational psychologist and get you know, an extensive workup. Of course, Even if you can, that's a great thing to do. And they, they do a wonderful job right. um, and you'll get all the answers that you need, but there are always other options as well. So, you know, don't give up after that first phone call. That's what I would say to the parents. And um, sometimes they're just really busy parents. We have a lot of parents working two jobs these days. We have a lot of single parent homes these days. And, you know, these folks are doing the best they can. And sometimes just adding in a whole field of research about their child's disability and a whole field of research into who are the practitioners in their area and which ones can they afford and where are they to go and who are they to ask. You know, it's just so, they just don't have the time in the day to do that with all the other things that are on their plate. And so you're absolutely right, Lisa. Sometimes um, the follow through doesn't happen. And that's another place where um, both myself as a, therapist at yourself in educational behavioral education you can work with the parent to say let's find a way for you to do let me help you do this right. let me right. help you it's do this support. looking for the support the support in a right. relatable way that makes it feel like it's possible until they yes. get into the rhythm of it all yes 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 and if you could break it down for them in a way that, you know, bite-sized pieces and they can then actually follow through. That is what's gonna help the child in the long run. So by helping the parent, you're helping the child. Right, and helping the child helps the parent and helps the family. And it does because then that, that vicious cycle of blame and, you know, a little hostility and yelling and oh, the struggles over homework every night and all of that, um, that can really be diminished when we can get these answers, get to that mechanic look under the hood and you know, figure this out and let's help that child. Let's help that child. Yes. 
that's all such great advice. And Deanna, is there um, one family that really comes to mind where they came to you knowing so little and then you saw them uh, learn some strategies and be able to apply those strategies to really build on their life skills? Yeah, actually there is a family that comes to mind uh, from long ago and far away um, and keeping their confidentiality. It was a young single parent with three very young children. And then the, um, the other parent had been seriously injured and you know, at a very young age, uh, was going to spend the rest of their life in a nursing home on a, a, a terrible accident. Um, so this this parent uh, was responsible for these three very young children and um, working and working two or three jobs. And all three of the children, as they got into the primary grades, had serious deficits um, and this particular parent, young parent with a lot of stress, uh, actually became one of the most <laughs> knowledgeable people I've ever met. She, she runs circles around me as far as the knowledge, the, the way she researched and hunted down everything that was out there. I mean, she ended up guiding other families. You know, it was amazing. Wow. And she got every single thing in place that was available for these three young children. And I actually have uh, worked with them at different times over the years. And every once in a while, I'll just get a little note or an email from her or him saying um, how the kids are doing. And the kids are phenomenal. They're young adults now. They're young, uh, you know, early 20s and upper teens. And they are thriving and um it's it was really because of the follow-through and the incredible tenacity of this mother she just just went in and insisted on everything that was available and learned what was available and contacted everybody anybody with an ear or an email address <laughs> and um advocated for her children and helped other people do the same all of this while working at a you know a really tough tough uh physical job that she had um all day full-time work and uh yet was able to um give her children a very bright future and it's okay not to know all the answers right and you learn as you go along one step one question one answer at a time and like when you speak yes. about breaking it down it's also the parents process of their learning curve too absolutely they not put so much right. pressure on themselves i should have known this i should know this by now well and accepting yeah. that as part of the and process not everyone can do what this person did but everyone probably knows someone like her or him uh -huh. and can tap that person and say, Hey, I see what you've done for your kids. Help me. You know, right. I could use some direction. Yeah. So if you can't be that person, find that person in your, in your school or in your neighborhood. And that starts with asking questions. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It sure does. It sure it's does. Definitely a tangible and they could do it. They could do it. They need the dedication, asking a lot of questions. Right. They they don't get the answer from one person. They can always go right to the next. Person. And it's and it's that same roster that we mentioned before: the pediatrician, the people in school who do special education, you know, and um, 
again, other parents with, who've been through similar th experiences. They, that's a great so resource. Many, so many groups now with parents. They can go on Facebook and find parent groups based that's on true. disabilities even. That's true. You need to be careful. I find some parents get very overwhelmed. Yes. Reading and then they're on them, but then some parents can weed through not get involved in some of the emotional components. Sure. But they find resources and support. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Can you tell me more about child behavior, uh, your your program? Sure, yeah. absolutely I can. So essentially, uh, parents will contact me because they are either feeling very frustrated or overwhelmed at home and they're looking for support. Oh. Educational and it's not therapy. Yes. Um, and so we work on increasing children's ability to focus and what's called self-regulate, which you know. Beautiful. Manage uh, your thoughts, feelings, and actions. And we through that, and we do that through educational means, through positive oh. self-talk, through perception. And Beautiful. then we relate it to also being able to set limits at home in a positive way. And the parents work with their children together. So it's not as though I'm just working directly with the child but it's the whole family system. That's fantastic. So that is fantastic. You're changing lives. Thank you, as are you. I'm just with you today. And we wanna eliminate some of that stress because that stress gets in the way of progress. So can you talk to us even about how you've seen stress impact the lives of the children that you service? Oh, absolutely, yeah. So stress, um, particularly in these current times, there's all kinds of stress of not uh, being able to be with their peers as much as they would enjoy being, the stress of what is, why are, you know, we so worried about germs and am I going to get sick? And they're all so nervous about, you know, uh, wearing masks means that must be something very dangerous out there. And so these poor children are, are experiencing a lot of anxiety right now. Um, secondary to the pandemic. And then that just, of course, plays out right in the school and it makes it really, or on the remote schools, and it makes it hard to focus because they are really experiencing a lot of anxiety um, in much greater numbers than, ever, than I've ever seen before. Um, and so if we can work on things like you said, self-soothing, working on deep breathing skills so the yeah. child can relax and bring down that heart rate a little bit. Um, soft music is very, very effective. Uh, slightly dimmer lighting in the, you know, in the home um, and being very aware of tones that people are speaking with. Mm -hmm. uh, when there is anxiety in the home, there's often yelling. Sometimes there's you know a lot of stress that comes out loudly um, and that really is disturbing for children so being aware of tones being aware of um, helping the child to fear feel secure and safe and um and to try to give them some ways to interact with others in a safe way uh, if it can be via you know facetiming with their friends or um having them you know out on the front lawn socially distanced and then just running and getting a little fresh air together um, any ways that the parents can intercede with that experience of anxiety that's really rampant right now among children particularly and among adolescents even more particularly um, who so strongly need their peer 
contact. Um, you know, you would do a great service to them if you could, if you could try to intercede in some of these areas of their, their anxiety. And it does help to know whether or not they have a diagnosis of some kind. So that way you can really interact with them in the way that they need you to, yes. especially during these very stressful times. Would you yes, understand? absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Deanna, if my listeners wanted to get in touch with you, maybe they want more, more information or want to seek out your services, how can they get in touch with you? Oh, sure. I'm at Princeton Counseling and Psychotherapy at 609-213-6. Thank you for listening to the Student Success Beyond Expectations podcast, where school leaders, educators, and parents meet on behalf of children who struggle with learning. To bring workshops to your school or organization, contact Child Behavior Consulting and get started with resources available at childbehaviorconsulting.com, Amazon, and teacherspayteachers.com for ready-to-use resources and children's books. If you enjoyed this podcast, remember to review, subscribe, share, and give us a shout out on social media.